turn with me, if you would, to the first gospel. Matthew chapter 2 is where we will be. Do you remember, many of you do growing up, in one of the first Christmas shows on television that I remember watching was the animated version of The Grinch. And you remember the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> well, as I look at this text, I see the man I call the, the original Grinch. He's Herod. In fact, it's much worse than being the original Grinch. And we'll find out what we mean. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, church family, that this message is going to be a two-parter, okay? I'm not going to finish it tonight. <laughs> go ahead and know that. Don't. Well, I'm sure you're not going to be disappointed <laughs> in that, but I'm going to cover this in two parts because there's so much here. And you know, the truth is, gang, what Herod's life shows us is, is really the tragedy the tragedy of living a prideful or a pride-filled life. The tragedy of living life governed and filled and directed by pride. Pride is such a subtle element in our lives, but boy, it is so detrimental and so hurtful and so destructive and it is the antithesis of the very Spirit of Christ. And it literally drives us away from the presence of God. And it drives God's presence away from us. And it causes us to adopt a sense of self-sufficiency. So let's just go through the text here as we talk about the tragedy of a pride-filled life. Back in 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea just right off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died from these two ships as they were hurled into the, into the depths of the water. News of the disaster was further darkened in this ship collision when an investigation revealed the true cause of the accident. It wasn't a technological problem. It wasn't a radar malfunction, and it wasn't even thick fog cause was attributed to human stubbornness. You see, each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear, but according to the news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield to the first by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. They could not change course, and the two ships collided. And here's the lesson that I believe God's going to show us in this text. Yes, it's a Christmas text. It's very appropriate for this time, but boy, does it have implications all year round. And here's the truth. Here's the lesson. You and I, as God's people, should shun pride in every way, shape, and form. So let me give you tonight a couple of thoughts about the prideful life and we'll continue next Sunday night. Truth number one that we find here in the text, uh, 
The prideful life is highly suspicious and distrustful of others. The prideful life. The individual that's governed by pride is highly suspicious often and distrustful of other people. We feel as if other people are a threat to us, a threat to our position, a threat to our recognition, our the approval of others, that they will, they will stop heaping that approval upon us and turn their attention, their affection, their approval on other people. All of us can be plagued and tempted by this, and all of us can be affected by this, this prideful, this, 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 this sense of uh, a, 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 an unbiblical approach to self-worth. And at the very heart of it is our own ego and our own pride. Notice what the Scripture says in verse 1, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? (laughs) For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse 3 says, And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. It's interesting to understand why it was that Herod was troubled. Well, obviously, Herod saw Jesus as a threat. It's interesting. Notice what the text says. The wise men came, the magi came, and they asked, Where is the one who was born, born king of the Jews. Do you know that Herod's term, Herod was called, Herod was actually crowned by the Roman Senate in 40 B.C. in Rome. He was actually crowned king of the Jews. He was called king of the Jews. He was designated king of the Jews but he was not born king of the Jews. Only Jesus Christ was born king. He, he, this was not something he inherited. He as God in the flesh, as the Messiah, yes, the Messiah of the world, but specifically the Jewish Messiah. He was born king of the Jews, and Herod immediately, just by the terminology, in a twofold way, was threatened by the birth of Christ. What do you mean, king of the Jews? I've been called, I'm designated king of the Jews. I'm the one who's supposed to be the king of the Jews. The truth of the matter is, Herod was, however, a king without a kingdom. You see, upon his return to the land of Israel, he was given a Roman army and was eventually able to capture Jerusalem. Herod was not even full-blooded, not a full-blooded Jew. Uh, He was Rome-appointed. Uh, he, he was given a group of soldiers to come in and literally by force take the throne. 
Let me say this, dear friend, and glory to the name of Jesus. Jesus, by force, doesn't have to take anything. Everything is under His control and His dominion. (laughs) Even before Christ arrived on the scene, we see that Herod felt threatened by any rival. You see, the pride-filled life is highly suspicious and distrustful of others. Doesn't want anybody else to get praise. Doesn't want anybody else to get the limelight. It's it's offended and it feels threatened when someone else is thanked or someone else is recognized or when we go unnoticed and unrecognized in our service and and, and, and maybe our superlatives or our qualities are not recognized or praised. Other people are a threat. But there's a second thing we see. We see not only the truth that the prideful life is highly suspicious and distrustful of others, but we notice this in Herod's life, that the prideful life seeks to eliminate any threat or rival to personal self-promotion and personal agenda. It seeks to eliminate any threat or perceived rival. Notice in chapter 2, notice verse 8. We know that when the wise men came, that Herod, verse 7, inquired of them when the star appeared, where did it appear, and he sent them, verse 8, to Bethlehem and said, Go, search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, you come back to me, he said, and bring word to me. Now, he said this deceptively, that I may go and worship him as well. Well, you and I both know that was not Herod's motive. Uh, We know what his motive was, verse 13, And when they were departed, the, the magi, the wise men, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, Joseph, take the young child, Jesus, and his mother, Mary, and flee into Egypt. That's interesting. Be thou there until I bring thee word, For Herod will seek the young child, not to worship, not to praise, not to adore, but to eradicate, to murder. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men and he was exceeding wroth and He sent forth and slew, listen carefully, all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the children that were in all the coasts thereof or the region or the land around Bethlehem there in Judea from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. When Herod usurped, the throne, and took the throne by force. The first order of business was for him to eliminate his Hasmonean predecessor, antagonist the Hasmonean. With the help of Mark Antony, it's interesting that Herod had Antigonus, he had him executed, along with 45 other leading men of a Antagonist's party in 37 BC. Herod was also uh, so insecure and 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 uh, uh, 
so threatened by anyone else that he also had the noted Jewish leader and high priest, John Hyrcanus II, strangled over an alleged plot to overthrow Herod in 30 B.C. Herod continued to purge his predecessor's family. Herod eliminated his brother-in-law, Aristobulus, who was drowned in 35 B.C. by Herod's men in the swimming pool of the Winter Palace there in Jericho because Herod thought the Romans would favor Aristobulus as ruler of Judea instead of him. King Herod would ultimately marry a total of ten wives. He had his first wife sent into exile so he could marry another wife for political reasons alone. He also had his mother-in-law, Alexandra, executed in 28 B.C. He even killed his second wife, Miriam, in 29 B.C. Herod set up an internal spy network and eliminated people suspected of revolt. Now listen to this, gang. King Herod, so insecure, so threatened, he also had three of his own sons killed. The first two, Alexander and Aristobulus, the sons of Miriam, they were strangled in 7 B.C. He ordered the death of his third son only after five Uh, only five days before his own death because he felt threatened even though uh, uh, he, he knew his son was his successor, he felt threatened and didn't want anybody to view him with the same regard or view his son or anyone else with the same regard that he wanted for himself. Herod the Great became extremely paranoid during the last five or four years of his life, on one occasion in 7 B.C., he had 300 military leaders executed because he thought they were plotting against him. On another, he had a number of Pharisees executed in the same year after it was revealed that they predicted that his throne would be taken from him, both from himself and his descendants. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me tonight that when you and I begin to operate out of pride, it causes us to do some very illogical, unspiritual, and hurtful things. The pride-filled life, the prideful life is highly suspicious and distrustful of others. The prideful life seeks to eliminate any threat or rival to personal self-promotion or agenda. Let me give you the third truth that we find in the text. And that's in verse 2. The prideful life finds its worth in accomplishments, accolades, and advancement. The prideful life only finds its worth in accolades, accomplishments, and advancements. It's interesting that when, when we study the life of Herod out, we find a fourfold cycle in Herod's life. Herod uh, uh, really gave himself to build certain things and construction. And so you see building, you see fear, murder, and then depression. And you see that cycle repeated, that fourfold cycle repeated in Herod's life. You see around 20 B.C., Herod remitted one-third of the people's taxes 
in order to curry favor with them. He knew he wasn't their favorite. He knew he wasn't uh, uh, exceptionally liked by the citizens there in uh, Judea, uh, that, that, that the Jews really didn't like him. And so he decided, well, what can I do in order to gain the people's favor? Well, he cut their taxes by a third. He rebuilt and restored the temple in Jerusalem actually enlarging it in comparison to the original temple built by Solomon. That's why the temple that was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70 was called Herod's Temple. Yes, it was, uh, it, 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 it was uh, um, uh, part of the uh, temple that was rebuilt uh, when the Jews returned from Babylon but he added a portico to it and, 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 and he did some things uh, to, 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 uh, uh, to refurbish it. He also built, he built the city and the harbor at Caesarea uh, Maritima. Uh, when it was built, it ranked as the largest artificial harbor built in the open sea. Now, why did he do all this? Because especially you gentlemen, listen carefully, most men I know, our temptation among many is to find our significance in our worth, in our work. And that's why most men, many men, are pre... Uh, 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 that, 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 that we have a, a, a certain weakness and proclivity uh, toward workaholism. Many men are workaholics. Truth be told, uh, I guarantee you in our culture at least, the number of workaholics in men outnumbers the lazy men by far. Because if you're an average man, you, you have a sense of where you think that your respect or the respect people have for you is tied directly to your work, your vocation. Uh, we, we, we gauge our significance, our self-worth by our work. That's why men especially devote so much time, so much attention. That's why promotions are important to us. Not even necessarily raises in pay, even though that's important too. We, uh, none of us would turn down an increase in pay. But, but more specifically, if we know, if we know that we're respected... By the way, isn't that one of the greatest innate needs in a man is respect? That's what we need from our wives. We need that respect given to us. Uh, I, I'll never forget a survey conducted that uh, I think it was about an 80 to 20% ratio that men were asked, if you had the choice, uh, would you rather be respected or loved by your wife? And 80 out of 100 said, I'd much rather be respected than loved by my wife. Why is that? Because hear me carefully. Most of us as men, we gauge our self-worth by our work. It's a whole lot easier to pour ourselves into our work. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work smarter. I'm going to work longer. I'm going to outwork everyone around me. I'm going, to, I, I'm going to prove, here's what we say, prove my worth through my work. 
Now, men, brothers, hear me carefully. Let's be careful of that. If, if I understand the nature of Herod, I understand that his pride drove him to do certain things just to procure favor of the people. He built things. He poured himself into the kingdom, into construction, and into building, uh, adding to the temple, building the city and the harbor there in Caesarea. And, and, and why? Why? Because he found a certain significance. You say, preacher, what's the problem with that? Well, let me tell you what the problem is. Let me tell you what the problem is when I do that, when you do that. I know a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors, hear me carefully, who have a mistress. And it's not another woman. The mistress is the ministry. And they, they're not cheating on their wives physically with another woman, but they're, they're cheating their wife and cheating their family because of the mistress called ministry. Pour themselves and pour an overabundance of time to the neglect of their relationship with their wife, to the neglect of shepherding the hearts of their children. And by the way, remember, you can't do that on the fly. You can't do that by just rushing in and rushing back out. It takes intentionality and it takes time. Be careful, men, especially the men, that we don't fall prey to this predisposition that you and I can have to base our significance in what we accomplish. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me carefully. Your worth and your significance is found in nothing and in no one other than Jesus Christ. His merits alone. Oh, what would have happened if Herod would have realized his significance, his worth was not found in building new harbors and new cities and adding on to the temple and cutting taxes. His worth, like your worth and like mine, is only found in one person. And that's in the Lord Jesus. Pride is very subtle. It causes us to even have a misconstrued sense of our own worth. We inflate our worth. We base our worth in the wrong thing. But when I base my worth in the unchanging person of Jesus, my worth doesn't change. My worth and my significance and my sense of that is not it's not fickle. It doesn't fluctuate based on my emotions or my mood or my human accomplishments at work, in ministry, or anywhere else. My value is fixed because Christ is fixed. And my value is completely in Him. We're going to stop right there. We're going to finish this next Sunday night. So here's what I want us to begin to pray this week. God, root up in me times and areas where I am most vulnerable to this sin of pride. May God help us. And let's pray together.
Now, Father, in Jesus' name, be very clear with us. Be very direct and very specific. Search us and cause us to grow. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.